from right. the top. Yeah. From the, from the, the top. top. <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn it. Oh my yeah. God, you guys. There's the biggest spider in here. Oh no. What the hell? Gross. I wish I could send you burn the whole building down. I wish I could send you a picture. It's so big. Ew. Ew. Okay. Don't worry. Everything's fine. Everybody calm down. <laughs> Do you have bug spray or um a large whistle to yell for help? <laughs> <laughs> oh my I god, I don't even want to I don't my- even want to be in this room anymore. Oh Morgan, are you a spider killer or would you prefer to like capture him and release him into the wild? Um, I am <laughs> I don't want to be hated. I'm a spider killer. I fucking hate spiders. <laughs> oh, me too. We <laughs> deserve to die. You. I'm oh like, God. I don't want you in my house and I don't want you outside my house because you'll come back in. So the only option is to kill them. <laughs> I really think so. True. What are you guys? Uh, I'm, I'm, I have two stories that go along with this. So bear with me. So I used to be a spider killer, and then one time my sister uh, stepped on a spider in our house, and, like, my mom was an entomology major, and, like, snakes don't bother her, but spiders freak her the fuck out. Uh, anyway, so my sister was killing the spider because my mom and I were, like, freaking out, yeah. and she stepped on it, and it had babies on its back. <gasps> and it was, like, no! Yes! It was, like, <laughs> film. It was absolutely awful. So now I can't kill spiders because I'm scared that they're going to be, like, carrying their spawn oh <laughs> hell to the no <laughs> yes. Yes. yeah it's my biggest nightmare uh-uh. yep it was it was Libby, like a nightmare i didn't know your mom was an entomology major that's interesting yeah initially i'm not i always like forget so she like worked she went she lived in boston for like a year with my crazy aunties and then she um she like worked for a professor at Brown University. She didn't go to Brown. I think she went to Boston Community College or something for a year. Mm. And anyway, so and she, then she worked for like an entomology professor at Brown. Whoa. And then she like for a year or so studied entomology. And then she switched and she got an English, a teaching degree uh-huh. in English. Um, anyway. Wow. Yeah, I know. Isn't that isn't that wild? Carla's a badass. What can I say? I love that. <laughs> Okay, and my second story is just, I don't even, I might have told you guys this, because we were, uh, well, I don't know that I would have known you yet, so it was my sophomore year of college, and I lived in a duplex, <laughs> this story just like, I, we're so, we're so stupid, anyway, um, so I lived in a duplex with three, or with two of my girlfriends, and then um, we had a male roommate, right, and the hope was he would be there to kill bugs when they showed up, well, he was <laughs> home because he worked all the time and went to school, and so one night we're like hanging out down in the basement. It was like a, a double level duplex. So it wasn't really a basement. It was just like there was two beds and a bath downstairs, which is where I lived. And we were downstairs watching TV, just, just us girls. And there's this just giant freaking spider that nope. just starts climbing up the wall. And my roommate, my other roommate is like, she was a wildlife major and like nothing bothers her. She's scared of zero things, but for whatever reason, this spider. So we are like screaming bloody murder. We have a <laughs> bottle of like spider spray that we're spraying at it and we're missing and we're on the back of the couch and we're just like, like screaming like girl. It was so bad. All three of us are on the couch, like hugging the wall, trying to pretend that spider's not there. And so we lived, there was like 
this house full of dudes that shared our duplex with us. And then across the way was another house full of dudes. And we knew most of them. One of like, I worked at the gym with a couple of them and mm-hmm. anyway, and so we're like screaming and all of the neighborhood men come like running into our house. <laughs> and we're just like, Oh, it's, it's just a spider. Like it was so embarrassing. Oh I, my God. I'm still ashamed <laughs> from that story. Okay, but all the creepiest spiders show up in basement. So I bet it was a gnarly ass spider. It was. I mean, he was a big dude. He really was a big fellow. Yeah. I think your reaction was totally valid, Libby. Still embarrassing. And I mean, booze was probably involved. So I guess we have that going for us. But yeah. Have you guys seen the, the TikTok video of the spider in the guy's backyard that takes down a frog? Shut up. It's. Was he from Australia? Because I feel like that's where all the like huge spiders are. Oh, maybe. Australia. Do you ever want to go to Australia, either of you? I mean, like, yes. Yeah. All I've heard is all of the like crazy creatures they have over there. So I'm like, maybe I don't want to go. I know. I don't think I do because I'm so I'm scared of everything. Yeah. Like creepy crawly, and that's like all they have. Yeah. And kangaroos thought they were nice. They're not. They attack people. Kangaroos are mean. Seriously? Yeah. They're like, really aggressive. Yeah. Oh like, what's gosh. that movie where the kangaroo, like, <laughs> punches the guy? <laughs> you guys know? I think it's an old Vine video, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. So, Dietitian Power Hour. This is Cody. I'm drinking a mojito because we're doing mojito day, right? It was just cocktail day. What are you? How did you make your? How did you make your mojito? Okay, well, I say mojito. Technically, it's a fancy gin and tonic, basically, because I've got grapefruit flavored water and uh, lime flavored gin, plus real lime juice in it. So, Cody, that's pretty fresh. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's a mojito, but I mean, it's a solid effort towards a mojito. Yeah, nice try, Cody. Still <laughs> yeah. sounds yeah, good. I was like, mine's going to be a generic cocktail. <laughs> yeah, no, generic cocktail. I like it. I like that. It sounds good. I'm I'm a big gin fan recently. I've become Me a gin too. fan. Me too. Yeah, it's so good. Yes, I love gin. Libby, what, what are, are you drinking? Oh, oh, I'll start. Okay, so um, I am having a... Uh, um, a tequila mule. I was trying to remember what the hell I put in it. So it's just it's just tequila, good tequila, of course, and then um, like a half of a fresh lime squeezed, and then ginger beer. Yeah, that sounds so good. Yeah, it was inspired. So when I worked at the bar, we all had like our signature cocktail that we made, and then when we worked, we got to put it on special or whatever. And mine was called the Giggling Ginger, and I really wanted that today. It was so freaking delicious, but I don't have the stuff. So it was just, it was like razzmatazz liqueur and lime juice and tequila and bar ginger, which is like a poor man's ginger ale. Anyway, yep. Libby, you can tell that you're like the bartender of the group. Oh, yeah. I, I love to mix drinks. I'll have I to send you a that. picture of my of my cute little like liquor cabinet with my my fancy tray and so I mean it's cute. It's cute. I love that. You guys should see my bar cart. It is embarrassing. There's like I, I have love to... your bar cart. It's yeah, but you okay. The bar cart itself is cute, but when you look at the liquor that I actually have on it, like 
almost all the bottles are empty it's all like the cheapest alcohol and i'm like i need to get my shit together and upgrade this bar cart well you you have a big girl job now so you can i've i've transitioned into buying less cheap booze so i don't feel like garbage so true that's next on my list of things to do (laughs) but morgan i remember at that party that you guys threw was it halloween or christmas yes yeah yeah we we that was like early on when we first got our bar cart we're, we were so stoked about it and we like stocked it up we had cute glasses on the bottom it looked really good at that point now it's gone like downhill. <laughs> you haven't dusted it in months no <laughs> no and it's like we left empty bottles on it because if we don't there's like nothing on our bar cart so I'm like well at least we'll just leave the empty <laughs> empty liquor bottles <laughs> oh my gosh okay anyways so I'm drinking Kind of like a white wine spritzer, which I've never been a fan of, but I'm kind of in like white wine mode. So it has white wine in it. And I'm not going to tell you what kind because it's cheap and I'm embarrassed. And it maybe came out of a box, but don't. <laughs> hey, they say boxed wine is better. I love a good boxed wine. Okay. Thank a good you guys. I mean, if I mean I'm, not here, a... I'm going to judge you. Okay. Thanks for the reassurance. Um, I'm not a connoisseur by any means, but (laughs) I love white wine too. Yeah. I never used to. I'm more of like a red wine person, but now that it's summer, I'm like, okay, I need to like hop on that wagon or whatever. So, okay. White wine. And then I put frozen berries in it as like the ice to kind of like make it a little colder. So there's frozen berries and then I squeeze some lime and then just like a splash of soda water. So nothing too crazy. It's basically like a fancier white wine because I added things to it. So that's what I'm drinking. Look at you. That's yummy. I kind of thought about that because I have some Chardonnay in my fridge. I was like, Chardonnay is not the kind of wine that you mix with soda and call it a spritzer. Like that would taste like garbage. Right. (laughs) (laughs) See, I wouldn't know that Libby. I would mix my Chardonnay with some soda water me too spritzer and it'd be fine for me I'm well, not... you'd, do it, you'd do it one time and you would never ever do it again really no. okay yes Noted. it's not you, have you had chardonnay yes <laughs> <Really question>. <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe maybe i just don't like that that kind of taste i guess i don't know <laughs> okay here's what i need to do and i've been telling my friends this once covid is over i want to go to um What's the place downtown? They have um, Cody. No, is it Bardenay's? No, not Bardenay's. The other place that's downtown, and you can go and like try all the different wines. Oh, Bodovino. Yes, Bodovino. Yeah, I want to go there and just like take a little notebook, take a pen, try (laughs) all the wines, and like make notes of what I like because I can't even like explain the kind of wine (laughs) that I like. Like I'm just not a wine person, so I think that's my next like. Once COVID is over, that's my next friend outing that I'm going to do. That sounds fun. A little wine tasting with like sensory observation. Yes, exactly. So. Yeah. So um, for today's topic, we're going to talk about the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist. But first, Morgan, we have to congratulate you on your new job. And I feel like it'd be great for you to share on here what you're doing now. Thank you. Thanks, Cody. I'm so excited, you guys. It's one of those things that I thought was never going to happen. Like, I was looking for a job here in Boise for so long, and I was just on the struggle bus. So I am not going to name the Well, it's a rough time. Yeah. Not going to name the company because I don't know 
etiquette like I don't know podcast etiquette what we can say and what we can't say um but basically I got hired from an awesome company here in Boise and my job title is a clinical content specialist which is kind of I mean like nobody really knows what that means I guess but (laughs) basically what we do the company I work for um to simplify what they do they basically make health education materials for any providers or companies that want to like give their patients for example like a handout or like a video online to show them or an app that you download and can like follow through after a surgery or something um so basically what my job is is i edit and kind of like review the health education material that we give out to make sure it's the most up-to-date based on like new research that's coming out so or even research that like just the most the strongest research basically so that's like the simplified version of my job and I'm super new still so I haven't really like figured out exactly what I'm doing day to day but it's super cool because I work with like there's another dietitian at the company and there's like um, doctors and PAs and nurses and it's just such a cool like environment to be working in so I'm so excited about it so cool I feel like it's such a non-traditional role for a dietitian too it totally is and I was telling my old um, supervisor from my last job about it and she and I'm like yeah it's not like the typical job that most dietitians think of when they go into like dietetics or whatever Um, and she's like yeah but that's where we need more dietitians because there's not very many dietitians in those jobs anyways. And I'm like, that's a great, great point. Like they're really, there's one dietitian at the company that I know. So I'm really excited about it. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, So so excited for you. You like, you're doing the cool stuff, man. Something I would never want to do, but it's still awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I'm excited. It's like, I couldn't even tell you a, it's like my dream job. Like I'm so stoked to be working there and I wanted to do something that had to do with research. I just fell in love with research, which is so weird because like going through the dietetics program, I, I think it was because it was such a hard concept overall for me to understand, um, like our, in our research classes. Um, but once I actually Mm -hmm. had to go through it, when I did my master's degree, it was just like, I fell in love with it. So it just worked out. Yeah. Maybe would you say, to... sorry, Morgan, would you say it's like you liked research once you started your master's program because it was more applied? Yeah, I think so. I feel I like think... in like in undergrad in the dietetics program, we just kind of learned about doing research, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I think like going through the actual process of like conducting a research study and then doing the data analysis and then writing a manuscript on it, it really like once I learned the actual process, now reading a research paper is fun for me. Like I used to hate reading research articles because I didn't understand it and all the like big words that I didn't get, I didn't know what it meant. But now that I've gone through it, I kind of understand and I can read other research articles and I'm like, okay, that's like interesting that they chose to do that, but okay. Or like the, the results are really interesting. Like I think once I gone through the actual process, I better understood when I read other research. So now it's just fun for me to read other research. Mm-hmm. 
which is like the most nerdy thing I think I've ever said, but I love research so much. Hey, we're all nerds here, right? True that. Yes, we're in our own way. Mine is not the research way. That class was like the bane of my existence. I still, I I liked biochem more than I liked that class. Whoa. But that class was hard. Like the professor was hard. I think that was just a struggle to be like. The surprise quizzes. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that. A, that was a rough go. I did not enjoy my time. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, yeah. Oh well, it's in the past. Thank God. And I don't know that I ever want to get you know to further my education that much. I have considered a PhD, but then I remember that that costs money, and I have to do research. So yeah, <laughs> PhDs take a lot longer than people think going into them. Too, I think the average is like six to eight years or something crazy that most people actually take to finish it. Right. Yeah, that would be really not full time. Yeah. One of my coworkers right now is doing a PhD program. It's like a doctor of clinical nutrition program. Super Ooh. badass. That's so cool. Yeah. Speaking of school, I guess, let's get into the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like, do you guys feel like you kind of get triggered like hearing the word nutritionist is sometimes kind of triggering to me or when someone calls me a nutritionist I, it like triggers something inside of me that is a little bit irritated do you guys get the same oh, yeah. I, I get like irrationally irritated about it like very very upset me too yeah I was I was in the hospital the other day doing like an education with a patient or the patient's mom I guess because I'm in pediatrics but she said something and she referred to us as nutritionists. She's like, I, I want to see a nutritionist outpatient for follow-up or something, or I'll, I'll ask the nutritionist in two weeks. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's, this is why we need to talk about this. Cause I did get a little bit triggered. Yeah. It's so, it's frustrating because I guess we can get right into the differences, but as a dietitian, we've gone through so much schooling the internship hours, right? So to be a dietitian, you have to do the bachelor's degree in dietetics. You have to complete the internship hours, which end up being like 1,200 hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of internship in different areas. So there's the clinical internship, the food service management, and then community for like our program, the coordinated program. So there's the hours the actual degree and then you have to pass the national exam so that you can actually call yourself a dietitian and use the credentials so I think and then for a nutritionist for example your random average person off the street can get onto a computer take a 30-minute course that says they're a certified nutritionist and then call themselves a nutritionist like they don't need the degree they don't need any of the classes or anything so I think it triggers me because we went through so much schooling and so much time and so much work to call ourselves a dietitian. When we get called a nutritionist, I'm like, Oh, so (laughs) frustrating. Yeah. And I just, I feel like people, when you say you're a dietitian, they have to think about it. They stop and they're like, Oh, right. And then it's kind of, I think it validates it more. When I hear someone who's like, Oh, I'm a nutritionist. I like keep on walking, man. I have zero interest in what they have to say to me. Part of that is because I know they probably are less less educated, not saying they don't know what they're talking about, but less educated. 
but then also like it's just the I don't know I think it makes you stop it sounds fancy and so then people are like oh what do you do and then you're like oh then you tell them you know you're a medical professional and then they're surprised so yeah yeah short answer is like every dietitian is a nutritionist but not every nutritionist is a dietitian but we're like when I say every dietitian is a nutritionist, we're like nutritionists, but on steroids. I mean, Morgan, like you mentioned, we go through at least a four-year degree. By 2024, you'll be required to have at least a master's degree to, yeah. to enter the field. But you have to go through a college program that's an Ascend accredited program. So just for context on that, the kind of national governing body for all of this is called the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, formerly the American Dietetic Association. Mm -hmm. But they're the ones who have this ascend. It's like the Accreditation Council for Education and Nutrition and Dietetics. So even the program you go to has to meet very high standards for that accreditation. And, And then you do your all your internship hours, you do Um, you sit for the national exam and then you complete continuing education units for, uh, you have to be up to date on those like every five years. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like nutritionists, but on steroids is the best way I can describe it. Right. And I, and too, I want to just add this. I don't want to totally bash all nutritionists because I think there's, good nutritionists that have maybe a nutrition degree like I have a friend who did a nutrition degree but didn't actually do the dietetics program and she is a nutritionist that I would trust but then there's also Mm -hmm. the nutritionist that literally took the 30 minute course online and is out there giving false shitty nutrition advice and that's what irritates me and so I don't want to group all the nutritionists together but I do think it is important to kind of make the distinction between between the two like yeah. if, you're seeking, if you're seeking nutrition advice I would definitely look for the credentials and look for a dietitian not a new not a nutritionist and the credentials are rd or rdn registered dietitian registered dietitian nutritionist right Right. But yeah, that's a really good point. There's there's people out there who have done masters and even doctorate degrees in human nutrition and obviously they're going to be very knowledgeable and have if if they're practicing ethically give you good advice. It's right. just that along with them being a nutritionist, yeah, you have people who did a 30-minute course or even no course at all and they're claiming to be nutritionists as well so it's not a legally protected term and then I think it's hard because the public isn't necessarily educated and don't know what they'll get so I would say that's the value in and registered dietitians especially because it's a legally protected term right yeah and I think it's also so it's it's important to know like as dietitians with up-to-date credentials, right, we are allowed to bill health insurance. Mm. Therefore, and since we're allowed to bill health insurance, we have to with like uphold ethical standards and we have to give evidence-based practice. Because, That's huge. Because we can bill insurance. 
So when Cody was talking about the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which he's called it our governing body, and it is, right? If if we did something that was against HIPAA violation, like we shared patient information um, or, or we, you know, or malpractice, right? As an independent contractor, I have malpractice insurance that I pay for in case whatever, someone has kidney disease and I'm like, yeah, eat all the potatoes <laughs> or, um, or I'm, or I'm tied in with like a supplement company and I'm prescribing supplements to people. That's all caused for like a judicial act. And it's because I am a healthcare professional. If a nutritionist does that, they're not held to any sort of expectation short of like actually physically harming someone all, everything that they give you, you have to, it's your, it's expected that you're taking with a grain of salt, because if you get sick from something that they're giving you, it's going to be very hard to like take judicial action against them. If that makes sense. Right. Right. So it's just, it's important. I mean, personally, I'd never go to, um, I would never go somewhere to get a physical unless it was a doctor or a nurse practitioner giving it to me. Right. So, and I think, I think sometimes we, we think about our health as being like our nutrition as being of lesser importance than like going to a doctor. Guess Mm -hmm. what? It's not like a lot of chronic illness are preventable through lifestyle choices, diet, exercise, um, medical nutrition therapy, if you will. So. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is we can build insurance. Um, this is one thing that's kind of evolving with the academy and for dietitians is state licensure. But mm-hmm. as of now, several states do require a license to practice, which means, again, it's just further legal protection and really protection for the public to ensure that they're getting quality care. So like, I live in Idaho. I am licensed through the Idaho State Board of Medicine, which also provides licensure for physicians, physicians assistants, that kind of thing. Libby, do you want to talk a little bit about Washington? Yeah. So um, Washington has credentialing. So it's not I my after my RD acronym, I have CD, a certified dietitian or a credentialed dietitian. Oh, so interesting. It's, licensure. Um, it's way less intense than the Idaho program. Montana also has licensure, Oregon and California, I do not believe have licensure. These are just no, they don't. In. This so, is interesting to me that California doesn't. They regulate everything. But. <laughs> inter- that's so interesting. So as a dietitian in Idaho, if I was providing like virtual counseling to someone in California, I wouldn't need that state licensure because they don't require it. Is yep. that right? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. I didn't Which know, I know that. that they are pushing dietitians in California are pushing very hard to get licensure because they aren't getting compensated fiscally the way that they probably should be for the services uh, they, they provide I because see. people are like, well, why would I pay you if I can just pay Joe Schmo with a nutrition degree from fitbrosrs.com? Yeah. Like, so. Right. Well, that's the thing of with the academy and this whole licensure thing in general, it's pushing someday for to protect us and give further credibility that 
you know, other people really shouldn't be giving nutrition advice, period. Right. And that brings me, that made me think of something, both of you actually. Have you guys ever heard a personal trainer give nutrition advice? Oh, Oh, 100%. All the time. (laughs) So I, full disclosure, I used to work as a personal trainer, which you two knew. Um, But I just thought about like, I'd be sitting in the office sometimes. And back then I was, I still had a pretty, like, I would say similar mindset to nutrition as I do now. Like a lot of personal trainers have very extreme, 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 like mindsets, I guess, when it comes to nutrition, I, I remember sitting in the office and like hearing another personal trainer give his client nutrition advice. And I wanted to just like crawl into a ball and die because it was so bad like I cannot deal it's it's kind of like nutritionist and as a personal trainer when I was a personal trainer I was doing my degree in exercise science too and I kind of learned as a personal trainer that you cannot give nutrition advice it literally said in my training and I did a pretty good program there's I would say like a scale of legitimate personal training programs and then some that are just kind of bs and mine actually said do not give nutrition advice that is only up to dietitians and so I never interesting yeah so my my training did do that and I didn't give nutrition advice and if I did it was very vague nutrition advice um but oh my gosh the advice that I heard some personal trainers give was so cringy and so I think it's kind of like categorized I would categorize them into nutritionists, honestly, because some of them even called themselves nutritionists. Like if they got a certification online, they were a personal trainer and a nutritionist. And I would hear them giving nutrition advice. And I'm just like, where did they get this information? That's so interesting, though, that you were always mindful of that. But then the people around you who were also personal trainers weren't. So I guess there's just a variability and like with the programs. Yeah. And I think that too, I knew that I wanted to be a dietitian. So I respected that a little more. Um, Mm. So maybe I was just a little more mindful of it because I was interested in dietetics, but I would say majority of personal trainers definitely do give um, very detailed and specific nutrition advice and they probably shouldn't be. Well, I also want to say though, Cody, to speak to what you said. So when I worked at the gym, we were just like, floor staff, right? I was not a personal trainer. I just cleaned machines and manned the desks and whatever while I was in college. And we were all told like it or orientation and then every meeting, you know, just as a reminder, like we were not allowed to give exercise advice to anybody because that's not what we're there to do. Um, But it did not stop everyone. Like I distinctly remember that being a part of all of our orientations. And I mean, I never felt qualified to give someone exercise advice. Let's be real. But but other people that I worked with would tell people all the time. And I mean, probably they were friends with that person or whatever. But like the expectation was if you were in your staff uniform and you were at work, you were not supposed to give nutrition or not nutrition exercise advice unless you were one of the personal trainers who was on shift. So that's good that that gym emphasized that because I think so the gym I used to go to. Um, Morgan, you used to work there. (laughs) Yeah. So I just observed something there that I think is really common with all of these so-called nutritionists or a lot of them 
and that's just this sales mentality because I would see at this gym, there's a little front desk area where you could get coffee or you could get shakes or uh, then they were selling several different supplements, lots oh, of protein yeah. powder, things like that. So the, you know, the people who are 16 years old and got a summer job and they're sitting at that station, they're like, oh, take this. It's good for this. And just kind of giving very general, probably uneducated advice that kind of nutrition advice but i think that's really common across the board because you're selling supplements you're selling a product so you're going to entice people with oh it's it's good for this and your body needs this and half the time they might be just bsing and you don't know totally totally yeah i think that's important it is you guys like when I was working, that's why I did not thrive as a personal trainer. And I think I was a little more <laughs> seriously, like I, I love training. I love being with my clients and helping them with exercises, but it is so sales-based. I hated it. Like I remember having a conversation with my supervisor, I guess he would be, and they were like, yeah, you need to be selling more supplements. And they're like, if they're, if you have a like problem with selling supplements, just like talk to us and let us know. And back then, I'm like, I know that I don't like these supplements. Like I'm not going to tell my client to drink a freaking meal, pl- like meal breakfast. And that was like one of their biggest sellers is the meal, re- meal replacement. And so I'm like, I know I have a problem with this yet. Like I really didn't have anything to back up my reasoning for not wanting to sell these supplements. So I think back then I was just a little bit less confident in my knowledge of nutrition because I hadn't gone through the dietetics program yet, but it truly is so sales-based that it's just, it takes the fun out of personal training because I think there, there could be a really huge benefit to personal training. Um, but really the supplements just like ruined it for me and working in the, like, so at the gym that we're talking about, there is a little bar and you can make shakes and you can put like protein in it you can put all these different supplements and I remember there's like a little I want to call it a fact sheet but I wouldn't because it's not facts <laughs> um, but it would say like add this supplement and it'll help with your skin and your hair and um, your mood and then it would be like add this supplement and it'll help with like post-workout recovery and um, muscle soreness and whatever like there's all these claims to every single supplement that you could add to the shake which of course each ad that you made would would cost you more money so it was just all it's so sales based that it's almost sad because I think it could be a good thing like I I like gyms some gyms and some personal trainers I liked but I think that really money is just such a huge motivating factor in a lot of gyms and it's really unfortunate yeah yeah I mean and and it's not their job. They're a personal. It is not their job to give nutrition advice. There's some gyms. Exactly. That are like phasing to have like they have an in-house dietitian that they can hook you up with or whatever, um, which I think is great as long as that dietitian is also not like tucked into a supplement company pocket. Because <laughs> um, I think that's also, I mean, money, like you said, money is a motivator. If you can make more money by selling supplements, right? People do it all the time. You guys know, you saw my post this yeah. week about, about how I feel about supplements. I've been on one, but 
it just makes me so mad because it's like like a stay at home I don't want to I'm not bashing on stay at home moms you people have the hardest job ever and I would never ever could never ever do it but like a lot of people who like maybe they stay at home or whatever and um they want to like make money so they start selling like shitty supplements and they're like it's this dense nutrition drink that's gonna make me feel great and also you're gonna lose weight and like and then they become a nutrition expert they're like listing off like morgan you said that there was like essentially a fact sheet that they read off of like a script a sales pitch that they read to people and they're like i'm a nutrition expert because i can read this paper like no you're not solid effort i appreciate you for trying but please don't like I don't know. It just makes me so mad because people fall for it. Like, I mean, I would love a miracle pill that I could take and I would never have to do anything ever again, but there's not. Exactly. And I think that's what's frustrating. And that's a big differentiating factor between dietitians and nutritionists is that as dietitians, we know where to go to find research that supports any claim that's made. Like we can find the research. We know what's evidence-based and what's not versus someone else who's not trained in that they could hear a claim and be like okay well it says that on the internet or it says that on on the label yeah exactly so it must be true and then they'll promote that and maybe they totally think that it is true like they probably don't know because they didn't get trained to find out if that's true or not and so i think it's like that's just a huge part the evidence the difference yeah the evidence-based practice piece like we are bound to that professionally and you know like we've talked about all these licenses and uh we have our rd credential that we have to register for and all these things that's all on the line if you don't kind of uphold your standards of professional practice and part of that is really giving rigorous evidence-based advice all the other people out there aren't held to that at all so they really are it's just the wild west they'll tell you anything if it'll sell you the powder totally and yeah maybe they do believe it but when it comes to health i'm just such a huge advocate for science me too i was just telling this is super off topic morning but i was telling cody that um it's like 90 degrees and super muggy here because we have like a 3000 acre fire like brush fire up where i live anyway and the the county like sent out an evacuation notice at 11 p.m last night that woke the entire county up but like it was only for specific areas like part of the town that i live in got evacuated but it's like the people who live in the hills i like live in town so Oh anyway, so we all woken up and we're like panicking because we're like, do we have to leave our houses? And then they were like, that was a mistake. Our bad. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> that yes, is so it is. Wild. It's just so. I, I like crank my ceiling fan up on high. My AC is down so low. It is so muggy and miserable. So, yeah, yeah. So, um. Oh, I wanted to bring up with you guys, too, because we were just talking about kind of sports nutrition and personal trainers giving advice, which is super common out there to the point, I think, that people don't realize that it's not legit to just take every word your personal trainer says. 
But um, dietitians actually have advanced specialty certifications. So you can go see a sports dietitian that's just completely specialized in sports nutrition. There's also renal. uh, What else is there? Um, Weight loss. Yep, weight loss, oncology. And you can join. um, So those are the the specialty certifications but you can also join practice groups of kind of different modalities of practice so for that for anyone who's interested in like more holistic or functional nutrition there's dietitians out there that specialize in that as well and it's evidence-based yes so it's not going to be like take 17 drops of 17 different supplements a day and be healthy it will be like, right. this is how we can approach your diet to accomplish your health goals in the sense <laughs> of chronic illness. Right. And I feel like speaking of supplements again. Morgan, are you there? Shoot. I think we lost her. I was sitting out in like the hot box out in my backyard. <laughs> and if my phone... I wasn't hot boxing. That sounded bad. It, it's just <laughs> a literal heat, like... It's a little shed and it gets so hot, but it's nice because like in my house, when I'm having a conversation, everyone in my house can hear it. So I'm just like, sometimes I'll go uh, back there if I'm like on the phone or on speakerphone or anything. But anyways, I'm planning on getting a new phone. So hopefully soon. Um, but I feel like Libby, you were talking about, it was coming in and out for me, but something about supplements and it just reminded me, I feel like a lot of people, like when they reach out to a dietitian, they're like, hey, can I get help with like a meal plan and what supplements I should be taking? Like those are the two most common questions I get asked as a dietitian. And I feel like that's another difference between like if you go seek help from like a nutritionist versus a dietitian, I feel like nutritionists are more likely to make like some crazy meal plan that you have to follow super closely um, paired with like a bunch of really expensive supplements. Whereas a dietitian, from what I from my perspective, I would say handles it a little more like, let's look at why you're doing these behaviors and like, how can we make a long-term behavior change instead of like a quick fix? Like we're more prone to addressing smaller changes and making it something that a person can maintain for life. Whereas I feel like nutritionists are more of like the quick fix that probably won't last that long, but it gives like that immediate um, kind of success, I guess. Do you guys feel the same? Yeah. Well, going along with that too, one of the things I was going to bring up with you guys, I feel like in general, if people go to see a nutritionist, that nutritionist is going to be more likely to be kind of food negative and promote a food fear and maybe Mm. tell them to cut out a bunch of things while not really telling them when they can bring them back into their diet. Yeah. Whereas a dietitian, I feel like overall dietitians are very food positive mm-hmm. and are not likely to rush into telling you to eliminate foods out of your diet, you know? Yeah, totally. I, well, when looking at weight loss specifically, because dietitians are also trained, like if you do have any food intolerances or allergies, like we know how to work around that too. So like in certain cases when it's appropriate, we we can do 
certain food eliminations from the diet to kind of like figure out what's triggering that. But I think yep. most people seek out nutritionists or dietitians for weight loss and for weight loss specifically, I don't think any food groups really have to be totally cut out. And I think nutritionists are quick to do that because it's an easy, easy route. It's a quick fix. Yeah, exactly. So I totally agree, Cody. Yeah. yeah and as for the meal plan thing, if you're listening to this and you are my friend, never ask me to make you a meal plan or I might punch you in the face. Thank you. I'm so sick of people asking me to make them a meal plan. I don't want to. It is so time consuming. You aren't going to use it. I promise you'll use it for a week. And then all my hard work is going to go out the window. And also like it's bullshit. Who wants to eat random stuff that I made up for you to eat? Like, like a cycle menu. Like if you want that, admit yourself to a hospital nursing home or psych ward. All right. Yes, I totally. <laughs> Libby, meal plans is another trigger word for me. Oh, <laughs> like, I, I just get pissed. I get so mad. I get so mad too. And here's my problem with meal plans. And this could probably be addressed later, but I'll just like a quick, quick explanation of my problem. I don't think they really teach you anything. Like, here's a black and white version of what your diet should look like for the next, like, what, two weeks? And then what do you do after the two <laughs> weeks is over? Like, do you go back to your old habits? Do you. Did you learn anything from the meal plan, really? Like, my job as a dietitian is to teach you, like, how can you choose a variety of things for breakfast and make it, like, a nutritious breakfast or lunch or dinner or whatever it is versus I'm not going to be right by your side your whole life to tell you exactly what to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, my goal is to teach you and give you the tools you need to make those choices on your own. So a meal plan for me is not, like, a long-term fix. Yeah, I think there's a time and a place for them. They're not always bad. Yeah. But yeah, because like we might sound like, but I think overall as dietitians, we, because people, again, evidence-based practice, it's very common to go on a meal plan and then crash and burn and then not go back to it. It's, It's too hard to sustain over time. So we would rather have you just learn the tools you need to you know eat day by day and do that forever and not have to feel like you're stuck on a rigid prescription and then you're helpless without it right so well I I like meal plans like the time and the place right a sample menu thing right like an example meal plan if you're gonna if you're trying to become a vegan you bet I'll write up like this is kind of what your day is gonna look like do you see like how yeah. many beans you're going to eat or, you know, this is kind of your proportion of, of protein to fat to veggies and how this differs from a regular diet or whatever. Right. That's yeah. different though, because it's, it's more of, it's a learning experience. Like Morgan said, not a yeah. eat this every but day I, to be fit and thin. Yeah. I think sometimes if people really don't know where to start and they are really ready to make a change with some structure, a temporary meal plan can be a good tool for them. But again, I if I was working with that person, you don't want to make them feel like it's so rigid that if they mess one thing up, it, they did it wrong and they have to quit. It's It should be a tool to help them learn to go about planning the meals, right? Yeah, I think 
that's a good point. Like there is, there can be situations where a meal plan is a good idea. And I think it just depends on the person. Like if they need that structure initially to kind of like help establish healthier habit habits, then I think that's totally okay. I think yeah. I tend to just like totally discount them right off the bat because like I said, it's, it's usually. a trigger word <laughs> because usually it's just like, my friends that are already pretty healthy and they're like, Hey, I want to like lose 10 pounds and build a bunch of muscle in a month. Can you make me a meal plan? And I'm like, and there's like all this other stuff going on behind that. Exactly. Request in the first place. Here's the number for a drug dealer that, that does steroids. Here you go. Yes. And I'm like, (laughs) let's address like the body dysmorphia first and like the psychological problem and the perfectionism. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I mean, it brings up this whole thing brings up just again with a dietitian, you're getting customized individual nutrition advice. Whereas with a nutritionist, they'll give a general one size fits all quote unquote meal plan online. And it just, it's not that simple. Right. So this is, I don't know. I think as dietitians, I don't want to sound like we are just haters on everything. I think we can do better at being more approachable with people because I can see how for the average everyday person, we're not, we're kind of hidden away. Like I work in a hospital. Um, the general public can't just make an appointment with me. Right. It's much easier to see Joe Schmo online and say, I'm going to listen to him or I'm going to quote unquote do my own research which leads you down a rabbit hole of the internet and conflicting information and I think a lot of people are aware of that but they still it's still not easy to access a dietitian what do you guys think I think yeah, that's I think so you're... true I mean like Google, like sometimes I'll do it in Boise just for fun I'll Google like dietitians near me and a bunch of nutritionists pop up naturally um, but the other dietitians, it, it's hard to find them. Like really, there's not a lot of dietitians that are just out there, like offering outpatient counseling, um, to the public. So I think it's really tricky. And that is something that us as dietitians could work on. Um, yeah, I think that's I think it's kind of a supply and demand thing too. Be- I mean, this is just my own personal theory, yeah. but as far as supply and demand, I think, we go where the problems are most critical and where our credentials are going to be valued. For instance, a hospital, you know, they value that we are the most highly educated nutrition professionals. We are able to provide medical nutrition therapy. So many dietitians are working in those areas, kind of addressing big nutrition problems head on, like malnutrition and specific needs for specific disease states and so for many of the people who might seek out just a dietitian for overall health maybe there's just fewer available well and i i also think that it's um it's not really like a hospital isn't going to employ 16 outpatient dietitians for people who walk in off the street who may or may not afford their services Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, right. I think it's, it's dependent upon us. Right. If we wanted 
to take that risk and um, accept clients independently. Yeah, it would be, you know, you'd be a self-employed practitioner and it's, it's a lot of work and it's not like a super um, stable job, I would say, to be a self-employed right. practitioner in that field, unless you do it really well. We're in the age of social media. Lots of people do it. Um, to speak on right. like finding dietitians. So we talked about earlier, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, their website is fabulous. They have really awesome free nutrition education. And then they also have like a locate a dietitian near you feature. Um, yeah. So if you Google the, eat right pro find a dietitian near you. Yes. Um, and I think that's important to remember today's dietitian is a, it's a newspaper or well, a magazine, but they also have free, um, free info on their website places like the Idaho Beef Council, Idaho Dairy Council, anything like that. National councils for agriculture typically have registered dietitians on staff. So any nutrition information, it's going to be biased towards their product, but it also is going to be accurate, fact-based, um, evidence-based research and information. So mm-hmm. I think just while you're, it, you know, it's really hard to go and take an hour of your day to go meet with a stranger if you're interested in things like nutrition and changes to your lifestyle and you just don't want to go meet with someone that you don't know, you can always find a good research or a good web page to, to research, but try and make sure that, that it, you know, if, if you're reading an article, look who wrote it, was it a registered dietitian? Um, if so, it's probably a pretty good article to, mm-hmm. to at least start your journey in investigation and then go from there right right yeah I like that Libby and I think too like dietitians can be sometimes expensive to go see um, but realistically when you look at how much it costs to see a dietitian versus a nutritionist that sells like supplements are expensive and nutritionists nutritionists make so much money just by selling supplements and I really think that yeah. by going to a to a dietitian, you're probably saving money because we're not pushing supplements. We have no ulterior motives besides just helping people. Like we're not getting paid for selling you anything. So, well, most of them, there's some dietitians that are selling supplements that might be, but for the most part, we're all pretty much on the same page with that. Would you guys agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Plus when you look at just the, risk benefit ratio i guess yeah and totally just to make it clear dietitians aren't exorbitantly expensive but you know you do have to pay for that expertise and sometimes insurance covers it sometimes it Mm -hmm. doesn't depending on if the practitioner Mm -hmm. accepts insurance but you know that you're getting reliable and personalized information for your life you're getting a personalized coach and you're going to save in the long run by safeguarding your health. Right. And, and yeah, protecting you from disease and medical bills. Right. It's more of like an investment really for your future and preventative health, I would say. It unless, is. You have, unless you already have the, the problems, then we're just helping you kind of like moderate that, I guess. But I really do. I think it's a great investment and I would totally encourage anyone to go see a dietitian for any nutritional help they need and if you're gonna spend the money on an online meal plan 
or a nutritionist who then asks you to buy 10 different supplements after your visit, then save that and just start with a dietitian. <laughs> exactly. Go to the source. <laughs> save your money. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is super off topic, but hilarious. I just, I'm sitting like next to my bookshelves and I found this card that I shoved in something and it's from college graduation, right? And so it's this like really classy looking graduation card. And then uh, I totally forgot. So it's some really good family friends and they took this classy graduation card and they like added things into it. So this is what it says. Getting this degree took long hours of being hungover, late nights, partying. And dedication <laughs> to drinking. And then it like carries <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, you know me so well. I love that. <laughs> That's so cool. I really did go to class. If anybody listening, mom, are you here? I went to class. Um, <laughs> I was there. She did. She was in class. I was there and I was sober. I remember, <laughs> Libby, you were there like the day after your 21 run. Oh my and God. it was rough, but you it were there. Miserable. I felt that was two days after my 21 run. Oh, okay. I was going to say, based off of what happened, I don't know if it was actually the next day, but it was like yeah. right afterwards. It was two days and I was still hungover. So <laughs> I'm not proud of that night. That was a rough go, but you know, I puked, I puked in the bushes at the garden, which I mean, everyone has to do that once. So True that. who doesn't do that? <laughs> Me, I have not done that. Oh, but cool. I love the okay, card. <laughs> I think the take-home message is really just make sure, check for those credentials. If you're needing nutritional help, check for the RDN for Registered Dietitian Nutritionist or RD credentialed. Um, and you'll know that they have the most evidence-based and they're trained. And I would really just encourage anyone who needs nutritional help to check for those credentials and seek a dietitian instead of a nutritionist. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, anything else? <laughs> Libby, did you want to say something else? I just thought of this and I should have thrown it in a lot earlier in this conversation, but I think it needs to be said. So there's some situations when they're not going to have any sort of credential, maybe not even nutritionist like um, community health programs. They're written by a dietitian. So what you're learning is from a dietitian, but the person delivering it might not be a dietitian. And I just Mm. thought about that. Um, So I don't know. I I just thought maybe we should have mentioned that because that's a a really good point. Right. Idaho or anything, any of those really awesome public nutrition programs, because the information you're getting is fact-based because they have to read off script. So, right. That's right. a good point. Very good point. I mean, the other thing is we didn't mention the nutrition and dietetics technician registered, mm. which is kind of like a junior dietitian. You, it takes an associate's degree and you basically assist dietitians, especially in like a clinical setting. And it's that credential is through the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics as well. Yes. Good stuff. Thanks for joining us on Dietitian Power Hour. This is Libby. I'm Morgan. And I'm Cody. We drop episodes every Tuesday night. Find us on Spotify or wherever you like to listen. And give us a follow on Instagram at Dietitian Power Hour Pod.